Everybody, Ray Bram here. Welcome back to another amazing session. I'm with Sari Jolly Jarvis, who specializes in helping people build the businesses of their dreams on their own terms. And she's an international best-selling author and a multi-six-figure business owner. And we're excited because this is all this topic is something everybody should focus on from the very beginning. It's turning your passion into profits, doing things you like, doing things to help your clients. Sarah, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about real quick. Give me a 30,000, give everybody a 30,000 foot view of how you got to where you are today. And where are you today? Okay. So, um, well, today I'm in, uh, so that's where uh, I've uh, started out. Um, yeah, basically, my um, my career started in medical devices uh, in sales uh, nearly seventeen years ago, and um, I was very lucky that it was for in the UK. It's a highly regulated industry. There's not many things that you can do um, which aren't um, above board. Incentivize customers, and so it was learning about relationship building, learning about um, generating sales and long-term relationships with your customers without. Um, any of the underhanded tactics because you know you just simply couldn't do them you couldn't get away with them um, and so it was a nice uh, a nice environment to start off in um, I then um, went on got married um, had a baby and as soon as the baby came along I was like there's absolutely no way I can go back by that point I'd gone into um, product uh, management and I was sort of training the sales team and using the sales team as one of my routes to market and there was no way that I could go back to that job and do it as well as I wanted to and have family and so I made the decision that you know what um, I'd kind of become aware of the online world and the online entrepreneurial world and business world and and seeing how crazy it was um, and how many claims that people made um, unethically and the way that people were being trained to sell um, and I thought you know what I think I can really make a difference in this area and I saw so many people who are really good at what they do but what they do isn't sales and marketing um, and I thought, you know, that's where I can fit in. That's where I can help these people. Because uh, you see so many people who are really talented, um, but they are being um, outsold by people who aren't as good as they are. Product isn't as good as they are, but it's just their sales and their money making in the market is so much more. Um, and so I wanted to help those individuals to develop their businesses and to get in front of their ideal customers so that they're no longer that um that that sort of best kept secret no one wants to be a best kept secret when it comes to their business um you know you want to be out there and you want your ideal clients to to know know you know about you and, and buy from you um and so that was who i was helping um i then um worked uh, with my husband i continued to work with my husband we had it under one business um but from a, a sort of focus point of view from a, a business point of view it didn't make any sense we were after different ideal clients and um, which you'll hear a lot of from me um <laughs> no doubt in this presentation and then um and then we go and you know it, it, we ended up splitting out the businesses um and i ended up taking on um, that sales training so rather than training clients that we had within the agency um and the odd sort of client um on the side who came along um it was way more focused on my ideal client which are people who are good at what they do what they do isn't the sales and marketing side of stuff um and i can work with them to get a handle on their business and to stop being run ragged by clients who aren't their ideal clients um and and i work with those mostly service-based industries 
um, businesses. Um, I then went on to have a number of other children. So um, I ended up with three. And between the second and the third, I wrote a book, um, which is my international best-selling book, uh, Selling Without Sleeves. And um, and that forms part of, of one of my offerings that I, I do today. Um, so it gives people the opportunity to take their business from, from where it is and create that business that they were always aiming for. And um, because we can all get bugged down in the day-to-day, and, and when that happens, you kind of lose sight of that bigger picture and what you were hoping, wanting to achieve. He's muted. He's got to unmute. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Can you see me? I can see you and I can hear you now. Okay, it now it's good. Wow. It just froze up. I'm going to just <laughs> mark down the time here, 440. I got to check. I, I Let me just check uh, the household uh, internet if someone's jumping on it because uh, it's affecting what's going on here. Hold on. Well, my wife was on the computer, so we'll see. She's like, I don't think I was doing anything. I'm like, don't touch anything. All right. So, uh, we're supposed to have great bandwidth, and that it's weird. Anyway. All right. We're so I'm just gonna pop in now and address what you just said. I think I got everything you had, but it's it gave me this message like something's with the bandwidth which is odd. This hasn't been happening so much recently. Okay. So that's, that's great stuff because I think as a lot of the audience that are going to watch this, listen to this are, you know, authors. And the first instinct we have as authors is kind of like, that's why I wrote a book. So I don't have to be sleazy and, and sell my stuff. Right. And, uh, so my first question is, how did you come, did you read everybody's minds to come up with the title of that book? And the second question is, what, what's the first thing you teach us in that book to overcome this thought of being <laughs> sleazy about marketing our own services, our own expertise? Um, so the, so the, the, the selling about sleaze was something, uh, it turned out that I said it a lot. Um, sleazy, not being sleazy um, on my videos. So I did, I used to do quite a lot of lives and um, people were like, oh, you know, not being sleazy. Um, and so it kind of became a bit of a, of, of a line that I was kind of associated with. And then from there, um, selling without sleaze kind of evolved. Um, so it started off as a strap line. Um, and then to be honest, I wanted it to be something that stood on its own without it being just me. Um, and so um, that's kind of how it evolved. Um, and as far as sort of the, the first part of the book, the first thing, as I've kind of already alluded to, is ideal client, is understanding who are you aiming at here? Um, you know, the worst thing you can do is start trying to sell at somebody. Um, the reason you start selling at them is because they're not interacting back and they're not interacting back because they're not they're not interested in, in what you've got to offer. You're not, you know, you're not um, either meeting a need that they've got or solving a problem that they've got. 
And so it's about finding the right people because straight away, if you're selling to the right person, you're not being sleazy. You're, you know, you're helping that person. If you can genuinely hand on heart say, you have a problem and I can help you fix it, you're surely doing that person a disservice not to not to share with them the solution that you've got. Um, it'd be a bit like sitting there on the sidelines watching your best friend um, make a, you know, a total blunder um, and not saying anything to them about it. Um, if you can help somebody, surely you'd want to. And that's what it's all about. And I think that's what I get my clients to do straight away is to change, to shift their thought process on actually, what am I doing here? Um, and I think as soon as you get the money involved, it feels dirty. It feels like you're manipulating somebody. And, it, and it's very much like, actually, you're not after that transaction, you're after the testimonial at the end. And it's like, you know, your job isn't done until you've delivered what you're, what they're getting in exchange for the money they're giving you. Um, you know, if you are the person who chases the money and then runs, um, then, you know, yeah, maybe you are a little bit sleazy. Uh, but, you know, if you, you're, you're just sticking around, you're providing a great value um, back to that person and they're getting real value for that financial exchange, then, you know, why wouldn't you? Why shouldn't you? Well, I, I love what you said, because I was thinking, gosh, yeah, we got to start with the mindset here, because <laughs> we and uh, society's conditioned us to say, oh, how yucky you you want to make money, just get in line mm -hmm. and, you know, just go take a job or whatever you got to do. And but the people that you're helping, they're happy to spend the money for the outcome for the for, they want their goal is to give that testimony at the end, because that's that means they got that's the they want, they want to be a happy customer. Yeah, they want to be a happy customer. And I think that's the thing is, is you know, you can kind of lose sight of that. It, it is totally mindset. It's understanding like you know, I fit. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, society's like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, it's, it's really yucky when it's a sale. And I think um, particularly women, we have a thing that if we're getting other things from it, like fulfillment, it seems wrong that we're then charging for it. And it's like, well, not really, because you're getting fulfillment, but fulfillment doesn't pay the mortgage. Um, as far as I know, there isn't a mortgage company that will take fulfillment as payment. Um, you know, you need to keep a roof over your own head um, and, and have yourself well resourced so that you can help as many people as you can. Um, because when you don't have these those resources, when you don't have that financial support, you're not going to be able to reach and help as many people. Um, you know, so you can you can choose to to be really idealistic, and you can pour that money back into, you know, spreading that word and sharing it. And that's one of the reasons I wrote a book was so that I know there's you know there's one of me, um, and I do not want to be working all the hours. And so it was a way of people who could access me from the beginning. And my thought process is is you access the book. Um, you make the changes based on what the book says. And then, you know, you're going to then think, I oh, you know I, I want a bit more of this. Or maybe, you know, you've got enough in the book and that's it. But I've helped you at a price point that works for us both. And I think that's that's the thing as well is 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 when you feel confident in your price point, when you feel confident over the value you're providing um, and the financial exchange involved, then again, it doesn't feel sleazy um, because you you're doing it and you know that that person's going to, you know, is getting more, you know, as much value, if not more from, from what you're providing. It brings up a good point because, um, we often view whoever we're selling to like their objections, the money, and it's how much time. And, 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 and what you're saying is, no, they're, they're, they're not objective. They're questioning whether they're going to get the outcome they want, and if if they're the right client. So what? How how do we? You know, how do you start people? You help figure out who's the right client. So it's a brown. <laughs> I liken sales a lot to dating, um, and it's 
little bit right in that shopping list of, you know, um, I remember one of my friends at school and she was very much after um, her parents. Um, she was Asian and she was very much into her parents choosing her other half or her. And she genuinely had like a shopping list. It was amazing. And I remember her talking me through these lists of requirements and thinking, what are my list of requirements? Um, and <laughs> you know, like I was like, you know, I hadn't thought of it in that way, but she had a very clear tick box expectation of of, of the person that she wanted to be with, and um, and what she, you know, the person she wanted her parents to find for her. Um, and I think you know that's the thing with your ideal customer is, is what is ideal. And you know, people say to me, oh, well, my ideal customer can't afford me. Well, then they're not your ideal customer, are they? Um, and so you know, who is that that you know those characteristics but can afford you? Um, and that boys becomes the indication of like, well. I keep attracting these people who can't afford me. Okay, well, you are what I call fishing. You know, you're, you're, you're fishing in the wrong pond. You need to look at, okay, I've attracted these people with this approach. Who else can I attract with this approach, but with more of the financial ability? Um, also, price is a, is a filter. Um, you have got the fact that, you know, people can't afford you. Price is a very good excuse for not progressing a sales process. Um, it's, you know, it's a very, um, it's, it's one that's very acceptable. And so I think sometimes people use, oh, I haven't got the money right now, I can't afford it. And it's actually, you know, that same person then is going off on a on a crazy holiday around the world. And you're like, wait a minute, you couldn't afford this. What's that all about? about? And it's like, well, they weren't willing to part with that amount of money for what you were offering. And I think in some cases that that is the case. They're, they're, they're saying to you, is it they can't afford it or are they not willing to to take that money and, and take away that opportunity cost of other things. Your opportunity cost is too high for what you're offering. Um, and I think that can come into it too. And so, you know, price feedback can be a really good indication that you might need to work on your value. It may be that person genuinely can't afford it, but there's ways of testing that. You can talk them through, okay, well, let's get a price plan in place. If they're open to, if they're genuinely seeing the value, then they'll be open to that option of, of doing different, um, you know, um, pay pay processes so split pay or them you know I've, I've had clients who have had clients who really want to work with them and they've got them to the point where they've paid them every week until they've paid half and then they'll start um and so you know there are ways if you know where there's a will there's a way and I think that's the thing is is it's testing actually how much is that person switched on with what I'm offering and how much is it just the fact they're not willing to part with that money for that um but I think People always think, well, if I lower my price, I'll attract more people. And um, ironically, I I was working with a wealth management person and um, and I was like, what on earth are you charging that low level price for? And um, because her person was, her ideal client was very time strapped. So they were tight on time. So they were willing to pay more, you know, like there's time and money. And so they were willing to pay more and she was providing this low level course. And I was like, well, who's going to take that up? Because you know, the expectation with that low level courses, it's not, it's, you're not getting the bang for your buck. Otherwise it would be more expensive. Um, and I always use analogy, it's in my book, um, of um, parachutes. You know, if you had to do a parachute jump and you had a an option of a $200, $200 parachute or a $5 parachute, which one are you going to go for? <laughs> That's a good one. I always think of surgeons. I just, I mean, do with ti car tires. I'm like, I walked in there. I needed new tires. They're like, we got this one for sixty dollars a piece, and this one for eighty dollars a piece. I'm like, that's for my family. It's a give me the eighty dollar one. You know, it wasn't. 
you just assume it's better. And by, yeah. I, I think you bring up a great point because I know for me, it's like, no, I don't need another course. I just yeah. need the result outcome fast yeah. as I can. Yeah. 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 And I think that's it is understanding. And so it's understanding your ideal client. So who is, who is going to pay for what, you know, what you're offering and see the value in what you're offering um, at that price point. Um, and so it's, it's working you know, around that. It's looking at what's in the market as well. So it's, it is about your ideal client, but it's also about what else is on offer. Um, so where do you compare? And I think this is where you know, people feel less confident. They're going into sales calls hoping that this person doesn't ask them about price or doesn't ask them about a competitor and why they're more expensive or less expensive. Um, and so it's arming yourself with that knowledge so you feel more confident. So you don't think, oh, please don't ask me this. Because you know, you know, if you think, please don't ask me this, they're going to ask you it. That's what <laughs> happens, isn't it? It's like a CV when you make that little fibble where you say, oh, and I kind of did this and you big it up a bit and they'll home in on that bit. And it's like, how did you know? Um, and so, you know, it's better to get it out in the open, get it out in the open um, be, you know, be prepared. Um, I'm very much into getting people to role play through their responses, saying it out loud, what you'd say in response. Um, so that you are prepared. So when someone says that, you're like, yeah, I got this. I know exactly what I'm going to say. And you can succinctly state that. And that develops and becomes part of that sales toolkit, which is what um, I talk around so much in the book. I was just watching something. This fits what you're saying, where it said they basically said and it was a skit about sales, but they're basically saying the worse your offer or the product, the harder that you have to sell. Right. Now in your in, in your book and on your page where you where you sell your book, you talk about that. It's like where I don't you don't have to if you do everything right in the beginning, you find their ideal clients and you put their offer together, you don't have to sell. And it's certainly not you're not selling by lowering your price and giving them a deal. No, no, the, the price wants to be the last thing. If you're going to reduce your price, then you shave back the value you're providing. Um, because you know, you've got to think personally, I'm like, well, wait a minute, if somebody paid that level for that course how are you providing that same course at then the different price just because that person's not willing to pay it um it just doesn't sit right for me um so yeah it's very much around if, if you're going to scale that back make it the last thing that you do um it should be around you know making people aware of that value selling them to their needs so understanding actually where's this person coming from what problem do they have and remember that person if you they decide to buy from you or not and if they don't buy from you they're still going to have that problem um you've still got that solution that you can sell to anybody and i think that's the thing is is it's it, you come into that relationship sometimes on a bad footing it's a bit like when you've done all the chasing and go back to dating but when you've done all the chasing in that relationship to start with you're setting that relationship up for you being the person who puts in the work and the other person just enjoying the experience and it's like actually you it's a mutual decision it has to be mutually beneficial for it to create a long-term relationship so if you are going into this sales process thinking that, oh, it's all down to the customer and the customer's decision maker, you know, think to a time when you met a customer and you've thought, potential customer, and you thought, you know what, you're going to be a nightmare. Um, and, and so sometimes it's better to walk away from those options. So it is a two-sided getting to know you scenario. Um, and so it, it's coming to that with that and, and being aware of actually, you know, I bring real value to this relationship. Um, and, and respecting yourself in that situation so that you get that respect back. That's an amazing analogy. I never even thought about that. It is so true. I mean, every time I've ever cut somebody a break or just, you know, can you, if we, it, it turned into a nightmare. 
you know, it's yeah. like, and like you're saying, if you, if I ever went, started, you know, dating somebody feeling like I was on the begging side of things. If you know you're punching, <laughs> <laughs> don't let them know you're punching. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, you got to. And that's the, but that's the same thing. If you cut, yeah, okay, I'll give you. The, I mean, I've I've had them where they, they're like, ah, oh, I could really do it right now, but I need like these this weird payment structure. And I'm like, you know, you you almost know when you're doing it. You're like, this is okay. And then the next day disappeared. Yeah. And yeah. you know, never going to be a client again. And, and whether they meant to or not, that way, you know, it's just. Yeah. Not, Anything. If you come from a position of weakness, you're, it's it's going to be you're going to always hold that position in the relationship. That's I really yeah. like that analogy. The <laughs> other thing you said is, you know, I, I price is last. I mean, yeah, we could just add value. Uh, I think Dan Kennedy says, you know, there's no value in being the second lowest price. And I think there's no value in being the second highest either. It's like if, if you're not the the Walmart of the lowest, then you better be the highest and you, you should always be the highest anyway. Um, so what, what's the, so what's a person to do if they've got to overcome this? I mean, is it, uh, you got to go through this mindset training and then yeah, what so, do we do? So it's, it's mindset, it's practicing and it's knowledge. So if you, when you combine those three things together, you're walking into that situation so much more um, prepared. Um, you're prepared for the questions that they're going to have. You, you, you can answer them confidently because you've practiced. You've practiced out loud. And I can't. It's it's out loud. Right? I say things in my head all the time and I think that sounds great. And it comes out of my mouth. And I'm like, wow, I really. Yeah, I'm so pleased that came out of my mouth before somebody else witnessed it. Um, you know, saying it out loud, it, it enables you to, to, to see how it would be delivered. Um, and so practicing those sort of phrases, um, the responses, and, and that's the thing is, is if you're doing sales conversations on a regular basis, and it is a conversation, and if you can, the more you can pre-sell that person, so testimonials, information, case studies before the call, um, you don't want to waste your time, but you don't want to waste theirs either, um, and the sales call can be a lot like an exam. And so people come to me all the time going, you know, oh, I, I, my conversion rate's really bad. And it's like, okay. And we talk through, and actually a lot of the time, you're just getting the wrong people on the calls. Um, and, you know, even the best salespeople out there um, wouldn't be able to convert them. And if they did, they'd become nightmare people because they're not the ideal client for the offering that you've got. And so there's a mismatch. So you're getting these people on the call, and there's a mismatch between what they're wanting and what you're providing. And then... It, you're expecting yourself to become some sort of sales whiz um, to convert this person into the ideal client um, who then is going to take that offer. And it's like, it's not, you know, they, they've come to in the situation that they're in and they're just not on the right call with the right person. The best thing you can do for both of you is to understand because it's a market research opportunity. I'm very much like if you're not selling, you're, you're market researching. Um, and so for getting information from these people, this person has come through your sales process as it stands and they're wrong. Um, you know, if it was a production line and the product came out the other end and it didn't look like you're expecting, you'd be going back along the production line, understanding where did it go wrong? And so that's what you want to do in the sales process. It's like, OK, well, <laughs> how did I end up with you? Um, you know, if you think about it, I'm going to liken it to dating again because it's just dead simple for everybody. Um, but, you know, when you used to put the adverts 
out. You know, like, no, it's like Tinder and stuff, isn't it? And all swiping. Um, but you know, it's like I've gone and put this this profile up, and I've got you. So what do I need to do about this profile to change it so that I'm not getting you? I'm getting this person that I really want to attract. Um, and so you can get that information from them, and then you can point them in the direction of somebody who is more suitable for them. Um, and that's the thing is, is if you know, why wouldn't you tell them? Why would you waste both of your times? Um, because they're not going to get a good outcome, so they're not going to give you that testimonial. And then you're going to end up being frustrated during the whole process. And and then you're going to you end up being disillusioned. I speak to lots of people who are disillusioned with the business. And it wasn't what they set out to achieve because um, they're working with the wrong people and they're running them ragged um and they don't enjoy it and they don't value them and they're just like what am i doing i've gone from i left this world of of working for other people and I, now instead of one boss i've got like 10. um and so you know that then they're like what's the point i might as well just go back into into the job that i was, was doing before um and so that's where you know you want to kind of think right okay i've got this person what have I done? And then you can trace that back and you can make the tweaks in the process so that you get the right sort of person. Are you going to do that straight away? Probably not. But over time with those tweaks and changes, you will get the right person and then you understand the process. And then it's all great until something external happens. And then your priorities for your ideal client change. But you know, you've got that understanding for that time being, you can get those decent ideal clients in. Um, and it's always an evolving thing that there's always your ideal client does not stay still. Um, I was with a group of my clients today on a group call. And one of them was saying, oh, actually, this one, but she's not really, I don't think she's going to convert. And I was like, isn't aren't they both the description of your ideal client then and she was like well yeah and I was like your ideal client needs updating because you're saying now actually these characteristics mean this person won't convert these characteristics mean they will so you want that down on your ideal client description it makes me think there's an old Chris Rock joke where he says you know when you go on a the first date with somebody you're not going on a date with them you're going on a date with their resume or the representative i guess he says you know it's like yeah, this is what they portrayed yeah. themselves they're not you know you don't get to know yeah. the real person until a couple if you can do that is what you're saying if you can share mm -hmm. who you are really uh you're gonna by the time they get to the call with you then they should be ideal is one of the way how, how do you what's your approach to sharing your pricing assuming it's kind of somewhat high ticket before they get on the call with you. So I'm a big fan of doing that. So I run a challenge uh, coming up to two years ago now. And um, I told everybody on the, on the, on the th third day. So the third day I did the, the product uh, uh, announcement of what it was, you know, what you could get as support going forwards. And I stated the price on that because <laughs> I was heavily pregnant, quite grumpy. And I did not want a call to people who weren't serious um and so my conversion rate was 81 percent. it was 81 percent because i didn't get anyone on the call who wasn't aware of the price and already aware of the value um you know we ran the ads ourselves they were very pre-sold um and so you know it was it was really nice and that's how these gurus get 81 percent conversion rates is because they are so pre-sold they are so knowledgeable before they get on the call now obviously if you haven't got a captive audience if those people haven't been i mean like a challenge is like a boot camp um they've got so many touch points with you in such a short space of time that of course it is effective um not as effective i don't think as it was but um you know it's still effective and so you um you know you've got the opportunity if you are for example putting prices onto websites or something which you'll be potentially an initial touch point 
Um, I'm very much in, in inclined to um, get what well, I get from my clients to um, to say starting from um, so that they understand the ballpark you're in. Because, again, you do not want to waste each other's time. And I do have people who say to, you know, say to me, well, um, you know, where can I where can I access other stuff? And, and I'm quite happy to be like, look, you've got loads of free stuff on, on my profiles and stuff. You've got my book now. Um, you know, you don't have to come on board high ticket. You can make an impact with your business with my um, series without going anywhere near me. Um, and, you know, you can you can do it very much hands off. Um, and so it, it kind of then if that, those people are struggling with that, it's just making it very clear. You don't want to make it like a selection box of, you know, it's like a, a Chinese restaurant menu. Um, but you can do the basics. Um, and so, you know, giving them too much choice and it's just overwhelming but you know the the element of here's the book here's the podcast and then providing people with the um the rest of the sort of state the 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 main packages kind of works and even just packages from um book a call um and so that's kind of i'm i'm very much being up front at least with the ballpark that you're in because otherwise people get on calls and they're just in a totally different league from where you're aiming at and and it's just it's so disappointing and it's such a waste of people's time that's i mean i i, I asked from personal experience because i've you know i've done that where i've gotten on people on a call and it's you know a done for you virtual summit and they're like oh i thought it'd be 500 bucks and i'm like <laughs> i mean it's my fault i get it you know somehow you got yeah. that impression um you know, maybe you can't. But then it's a, going back, isn't it? You'd, yeah. you'd go back through your sales process and look, crikey, where did that go wrong? Um, yeah. If you're constantly getting the same sort of thing, or you're getting it a few times in that case, yeah. because, you know, obviously they're so far off the mark, um, then, you know, you want to then be in a position where you can be like, right, okay, well, uh, this is what needs to change in. Um, but, but yeah, definitely understanding. What about uh, do you do you mention anything prior to the call, like you know whether it's homework or something like that, that that basically says, "Hey, I'm you know I'll share with you what we do, and I, all I ask is you be prepared to make a decision." Do you say anything like that, or is that too? Forward? It depends on the client. So for myself, I have um, questions going into uh, sort of just it's not even really pre-screening because um, I've very rarely been like you know hey it's probably not worth us having a call. Um, I'll have a call with that person. My calls are fifteen minutes. Um, obviously, you can't cover much much in fifteen minutes. So the idea is is that you give them fifteen minutes, and if it goes over because it's going well, then great. But if it's painful, it can be cut short. Um, and so even if you're cutting short, even if you halved it, it's not too bad. Um, whereas when you're looking at sort of 45 minutes an hour, it can be really quite draining, particularly when you've got somebody who just wants to find out as much information for free. Um, and I think that's particularly in the service-based industry, that's very difficult because, you know, you wouldn't walk into a friend's shop and go, I'm just going to take this because I know you and I'll just take this. And you just wander out without paying. Um, but, you know, picking someone's brain um is you you're metaphorically going in their head taking out that information and, and wandering off with it um and so you know it's very hard to sort of draw that line so i always encourage clients to have a shorter time um and if they have they do need basic requirements for that for that call to make a decision i mean these calls are about understanding is, can i help you um is this a good fit can i help you um, and so what information do you need? If you need quite a bit of information up front, it makes sense for somebody to fill out a form prior to having that session so you can keep that session short. And therefore, you know, 
in reality, if you're doing lots of these calls and your conversion rate isn't that high, you're going to have to build in the time you spend doing these sales calls into your pricing. And so you're then cost charging your ideal customer more because you're not very good at sales. Um, and so, you know, allowing for, for, for to be economical, I would use a form where you can. And obviously that person is less likely to not turn up if they've already filled out the form because they've got more more buy in. Um, they've already put more resource, time resource into this relationship and this scenario. So they're obviously more serious. Um, but it can be off putting if you haven't provided the context and the value of what they're going to get out of it. So at every stage in that sales process, you're selling people into that call, into you know, having that call, what they're going to get on the call when they're on the call, what they're going to get off the call when, when you know, when you're talking to them about the product, what they're going to get from the product all the time you are selling them into each stage and what value it has for them. Yeah, well, uh, so this is a good, I, I, I could go a thousand different directions from here. So I, but I won't, but it's, it's so good because this is, I mean, literally this is a masterclass on the consulting call on the pre-framing the, you know, getting a form in there, letting them know the starting from price, so forth. Uh, and that, that solves a lot, a lot of problems, especially the person that gets on the call and says, Oh, I thought it'd be 500 bucks. How about we just split the profits and you do all the work and uh, <laughs> don't want that one. Sarah, what, this is amazing. What's, I, I think I, I'll give you my answer to this, but I think everybody should, if you're, if you resonate with any of this, you should get her book, the links below, but what's, what else, what should people do? They're like, Okay, this was amazing, Sarah. I want to know more. I, I want to be able to sell my expertise and not feel guilty mm -hmm. about it as well. And that's part of your, yeah. I'm sure that's in the book as well. Uh, you know, we're going to address that. But what else should they do? What should they do as soon as they hit stop on this video? Um, I would be if you could take, you know, half an hour to just think around your ideal client. Um, there is there is some questions in the book. There's questions online from people. Um, I, I provide um, the sort of a more extensive list of ideal client questions, but really understand who am I targeting at here? Because everything comes from that, you, you know, your messaging, where you where they hang out shows you where you need to hang out online. Um, I spoke to somebody today and they were literally on every platform. And I was like, you're spreading yourself so thin. Um, and it's like, you know, you're better off understanding your ideal client. Where do they hang out the most? Um, I know that they're, you know, they'll be your ideal client will probably be on all platforms, but where are they most frequently? Um, and that's where you kind of want to start and you want to carve out. And I think people try and take on too much. They try and be everywhere. Um, and then, you know, you see, you see large brands being everywhere. They're a large brand. They have lots of people. And it's like, so when you don't have lots of people and you're after a smaller segment of the pie, you can start with a smaller section of the internet. Um, and so get yourself, um, you know, develop yourself in that area and then you can build out from there over time. And then, you know, you'll have the funds there to get support in to help you be present on other areas um, of, of the Internet. But to start with um, understanding where the ideal client is, then for what messaging they'll want, um, you know, what product they want, because you've more than likely produced a product or a service offering um, in isolation. You've created this thing because this is my talents and then you need to find somebody to actually buy that. 
and that's a whole different conversation in itself. Um, but you know, you, you want to, to to try and understand, okay, well, who actually wants this? Who values this? And do they want it in this current form? Because if they don't, that's when you do the tweaks. Um, and there's nothing wrong with tweaking. Um, you know, th th all these overnight successes, it's like the roots and the tree. Um, you know, there's been so much leaders, going to people uh, being successful talks. in their businesses. So um, we're that, super you know, excited yeah, to chat with you today, might have been overnight, but it was uh, ended up, it's about like toast, business, and, and I they had already the had the audience, and they had everything else, uh, and they just created something. And what's and really exciting uh, is Eddie that was the isn't somebody our, who's just started uh, a business. June audiobook and, and had that, promotion that audience where his and that organic book growth. was up in um, Times so, Square on a know, billboard. Eight, really uh, focusing on who is it I'm aiming for. And um, we're you know super numbers, excited uh, to have him um, is win. another one. But if that ideal yeah. client, Thank you, can just I'm go really away happy to be here. Yeah, that ideal client work, yeah, that's um, fantastic, Eddie. It is, it's it. pretty cool um, to really have your name up in lights in Times New York Times Square. Right? Fight the, the 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 niching down. Um, I've only ever met one person who I've been like. Maybe we should take a little step back and 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 look at a wider audience. Um, you know, you, it's not a list of exclusions. You're not going to say to somebody, "Hey, stop! I'm not going to work with you because you don't tick all these boxes." Um, but it's somebody you're talking to and you're wanting to resonate with, and it's like a megaphone through the noise. Um, you know, markets are noisy, and if you can get that that conversation right, you know, it's a bit like your kids calling you in a playground. You hear your child. Um, why? Because, you know, you're used to it and you're familiar with it. And it's like when somebody is really getting you, they understand where you're at at that moment in time when you're in a position to be receptive and buy from them. And um, then you will cut you, with that message. You will cut through the noise and you will get that ideal client um, and you will attract them. And, and so that's why you're doing it so that you can cut through and you can really resonate with the right person. Um, so so put in the effort there and, and it will pay dividends. Yeah, that's. I want to just keep going, but we <laughs> we got to turn this summit off at some time. This, this that's amazing because I, and 